0: like a lighthouse on a stormy shoreline, the gospel has been a steadfast beacon through the darkest of times and will keep shining into the end times. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues the series, Where Do We Go From Here?, with ideas for proclaiming the gospel during this time. With the conclusion of his message, the final prophecy, the triumph of the gospel, here's David. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us today. We're Uh, We're going through this uh, outline
1: of where do we go from here. And today is part two of the final prophecy, the triumph of the gospel. We have some very positive takeaways from this as we come to the end of today's program. So be sure and stay with us for uh, the next half hour as we discuss this very important subject. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to talk about globalism and international prophecy. What is that? How does that affect us? Well we're trying to figure out where we go from here. And uh, we're going to do that as we go through this series together. You can get a copy of the book, which is the resource of the month. It is... A book called, Where Do We Go From Here? How Tomorrow's Prophecies Foreshadow Today's Problems. And uh, this book is available for a gift of any size to Turning Point. And uh, when you send your gift, just simply ask for the book. You must ask for the book and we'll send it to you. You will have all the material that we're going to be discussing for these next two or three weeks. And you'll have it in writing. And you'll be able to refer to it and go back and refer to it in the future. That's the value of putting something in print. I mentioned yesterday that uh, we are so excited about uh, our tour to Israel. I'm bringing these announcements to you, um, not quite, but uh, a little less than a year before this happens, March the 12th through the 22nd. All the early signs seem to say this is going to be a very well-attended event. We just did this recently with Alaska where uh, we only had 900 um, places available to us and we had to tell people that all the spaces are gone and uh, we'll hold you on a waiting list, but that's pretty hard news. So if you want to go to Israel with us, we hope you will get an early start, get your reservations in. Uh, We know that this is going to be a great time to see Uh, where jesus walked and to visit all of the special sites in the holy land well it's time to get started with part two of the triumph of the gospel the final prophecy there's nothing that god has promised to bless like the local church if you listen to me on the radio you know every friday i tell people go to church Don't stay home and watch us on television. Go to church because the church is what God has promised. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against the local church. How many of you know the gates of hell are at work today? But the church of Jesus Christ has the promise that it will stand strong. So the message of the gospel is transforming. And the work of the gospel is expanding. And the followers of the gospel are maturing. And the author of the gospel, oh The author of the gospel is preeminent. One more thing we must remember, and that the author of the gospel is our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Colossians one, describe that. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Richard Chin is the national director of the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students. He has a profound ministry with young people on multiple continents, but it always wasn't that way. Back in the early part of July in 1983, Chen was a student whose Christian experience was barely existent. One day while attending a conference, he heard the speaker ask one question. Here was the question, is Jesus number one in your life? He knew he was a good number two or three, but he was not number one. Sometime that week, he said, I joyfully received Jesus as my Lord, and I moved him up from number three to number one. And he began to study his Bible, and he was drawn to the book of Colossians. And he was so infected by this book, he memorized the book. And he was amazed at the triumphant picture of Christ found in its pages. As we see Jesus more clearly, men and women, the gospel gets bigger and bigger in our hearts. His death becomes more wonderful. His resurrection becomes more astonishing. Sin becomes more disgusting and the devil seems more evil. The restoring work of the spirit gets mightier. The global extent of the gospel becomes more important and the connection between everything in the Bible becomes clearer. Our yearning for eternity becomes greater and the love of God becomes more delightful in our lives. When you put Jesus number one, everything else starts to get in its right place. Jesus is preeminent in everything, wrote Chin. He rules everything in this creation and he rules everything in the age to come. The question that changed Richard Chin's life is profoundly important now. Is Jesus truly preeminent in your life? Is he number one? If he's a good two or three, there will be nothing victorious about your experience. Someone said a long time ago, only in the Christian life does surrender bring victory. <laughs> so surrender your life to Christ. Make sure he's number one. That's going to be more important as we move through these days that are in front of us. And then the theme of the gospel is energizing. Another triumphal note in Colossians sounds like a blast from the trumpet. Here it is. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a slogan, what a motto taken together. This is the triumph of the gospel and you can make it your own. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The moment we put Christ as our savior, he comes through his spirit to live and reign within us. And one day we're going to see him face to face. One day soon we'll literally walk and talk with him as the disciples did long ago. We will share his glory and have a part in his inheritance, reigning with him over the new heavens and the new earth. The New Living Translation says it this way, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So what does this mean and where do we go from here? What do we take away from this that we can unpack in our lives every day? If the gospel is the preeminent, triumphant message, if it triumphs over everything else, if there's no problem that we face in our culture today that is not overwhelmed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we believe that's true and the Bible says it's true, so what do we do now? How do we respond to that as followers of Christ? Well, first of all, let me suggest that we preach the gospel with our lips. We must keep preaching Christ we must keep holding the cross up. Colossians 1, and 29 says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, said Paul, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I don't know if you know this, but Paul was a Renaissance man in many respects. There wasn't anything that Paul couldn't do. He was a great student. He was a writer. He was a theologian. He's the one that basically started all the churches that you read about in the New Testament. He wrote 12 or 13 of the letters in the New Testament scripture. He was very, very gifted in many areas. But I know this if you ask Paul, Paul, what do you do for a living? He would say, I preach, I'm a preacher. And if you go through his writings, you can pick that up. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-three, he said, we preach Christ crucified. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. 2 Corinthians 4.5, we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ the Lord. Philippians one eighteen, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Well, you say, Dr. Jeremiah, that's great for you because you're a preacher. Not everybody is called to be a vocational preacher. Did you know that? But everybody's called to be a preacher. We are all called to preach or tell the good news of the gospel. Naomi Reed interviewed an Asian Christian named Risham who told her, I have Parkinson's disease. I can't walk anywhere. I'm mostly in my bed. I can't leave this room. I can't go to church. I can't visit people. And it's such a change for me. She said, I spent my whole adult life sharing the gospel. Back then, I walked through 72 districts of Nepal preaching the gospel. And we started a Bible correspondence course. In total, we had 700,000 students. I was put in jail three times for my faith, and I was tortured. But I can't walk anymore. I can get out of bed. And the challenge for me today is in reading Colossians 1, and 29. And here's what that says. Him we preach, warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, said Paul, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Sham continued, I want to be like Paul. I know that he used all of his energy to share the gospel, and I want to do that too. I don't have any energy in my body anymore, but I still have energy in my heart and in my mind. So even now, people can ring me on my phone, and they ask me about Jesus, and I tell them, I am still taking calls from our Bible correspondent students. I'm still using all my energy, even when I'm lying on my bed, all the energy that Christ has given me, I've given it back to him to advance the cause of Christ. Isn't that the way it should be? So basically, a story like that takes all of our excuses away. There's a way that everyone listening to this message, wherever you may be, we all can have a part in preaching the gospel. We can do what God has equipped us to do. He's given us all these various wonderful gifts. Whatever it is that God has equipped you to do that helps move the gospel forward, that's what it means to preach the gospel. So preach the gospel with your lips. Here's the second one. Picture the gospel with your life. In verses six and seven of chapter two in Colossians, we read, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Paul said, okay, you're all Christians. Now live like Christians, walk like Christians. Don't just be Christians in name, be Christians all the way through to the bone, be Christians in all that you do. Oh, how we need that today. One of the great rips on Christianity is that so many people who claim to be Christians don't live any differently than the people in the world. and we don't have to be a bunch of weirdos and cranks and all the kind of things that people think that we are, but there should be a qualitative difference in our lives if Jesus Christ is who we say he is. Walk is a term that is often used to describe the Christian life. The word is in the present tense, and it means continually walking, Someone once told me that the hardest thing about being a Christian is that it's so daily. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? It's so daily. Every day you got to get up and do it over again. But here's the good news. It's daily, but the eternal Spirit of God lives within your heart. And he enables you to do what you couldn't do. We preach the gospel with our lips, but we picture the gospel with our lives. People need to see Jesus Christ in us. Charles Spurgeon called this adorning the gospel, dressing up the gospel. Here's what he wrote. What is appropriate to the gospel? Well, holiness suits the gospel. Adorn the gospel with a holy life. How pure, how clean, how sweet, how heavenly the gospel is. Hang, then, the jewels of holiness around your neck and place them as rings on your hands. The gospel is also to be adorned with mercifulness, It is all mercy. It is all love. There is no love like it. God so loved the world. Well, then, adorn the gospel with the suitable jewels of mercifulness and kindness to other people. He went on to say the gospel is also the gospel of happiness. It is called the glorious gospel of the blessed God. A more correct translation would be the happy God. Well, then, adorn the gospel by being happy. How many of you know some Christians just look so sad. The Bible says if Christ is in our heart and we have the joy of the Holy Spirit, what's in our heart needs to get translated to our faces. That doesn't mean we walk around all giddy all the time. But when Christians are walking with the Lord, as Paul has instructed us here in Colossians, there's a quality difference in how we live. We are to walk in the Lord as we have received him. We're to preach the gospel with our lips and picture the gospel with our life and practice the gospel with our love. He says in verse 14 of chapter 3 in Colossians, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We have this triumphant gospel, but those who share it must be clothed in love and carry in their hearts a genuine burden for their neighbors as much as they do for their enemies. Colossians 4 5 says walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time You know one of the things that says about Jesus was that he was filled with grace and truth And it seems to me as you look out at the Christian world today We have a lot of people who are on either side of it and not as many people who have joined the two together Jesus said we're to be filled with truth and love and especially for those of us who are Christians there are many other instructions for us, but I want to end with a strange little verse at the end of the book. We're to love and we're never to stop loving. Here it is, Colossians four seventeen. Paul said, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now that sounds like an extraneous verse and what's that in there for? Who in the world is Archippus? I never heard of him. Well, first of all, Archippus was the son of Philemon, I know that. Paul called him a fellow soldier, so he had to be a Christian worker of some sort. But that's all we know, we don't know very much about him. But Paul cared enough about this man that he sent this instruction to him in the letter that he wrote to the Colossians. And here was the instruction. Make sure that by the end of your life you have come to the end of your list. Do everything that you were assigned to do. What a word that is today. We believe Archippus lived his life that way, but Paul encouraged him. I don't want to get off on this. This is one of my pet peeves, that so many of God's people have bought in to the idea that at a certain time in life, usually about 65, you check out and vegetate for the rest of the time you're on this earth. I hope you're not among that. I've already proven to you that I'm not, and I don't intend to be, but listen to me. There's so much that needs to be done, and I'll be one to tell you there's a lot of things that I used to do that I can't do, but a lot of things that I can do better because I've learned how to do them over time. And oftentimes what I've noticed in the church is that just when people have the giftedness that will make them so effective, they decide it's time for them to go do something else. People ask me why I keep doing what I'm doing, and I say, you know, when I was 54, I got cancer and it was pretty serious. It was stage four, large cell, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. By all of the measures of life, I shouldn't be here. But God brought me through that, and I got a, uh, and he gave me a new vision for my life. And people ask me, why do you do what you do? And I say, when God brought me through cancer, he didn't do it so I could go sit on a beach somewhere. He did it so I could serve him with my life. And I've had so much joy doing that. You know, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it seems like that God has saved the best to last for me. Every day I get up, there's something new and exciting that he's doing that I never dreamed would ever happen. I'm glad he let me stay around for all this because it's really fun. I just want you to see if you wouldn't put your name in this verse. Say to David Jeremiah, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Put your name in there and ask God to help you to finish what you have started. Do you know that Jesus, one of the earliest things that we read about him in the Bible is when he went to the temple with his parents, you remember, and his parents left him. (laughs) One of the most human quintessential things that ever happened in his life. And Jesus, as a young boy, said, I must be about my father's business. In other words, I have a job to do. And at the end of his natural life on this earth, this is what Jesus said. Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now watch what he said and what he didn't say. He didn't say, I have finished all the work there is to do. Some people try to do that and they burn out and they don't have anything left. He didn't say that. No, he said, I finished the work that you have given me to do. God gives each of us something to do. If we want to know what that is, we can ask him, and he will tell us, and we will know what we're supposed to do. And he's given you certain gifts for his glory and certain tasks for his kingdom. Make sure you complete them. You don't have to get out of this world alive, but you do have to complete the work that God assigns you. And if we do that, we will see a resurgence of service among the more senior people in our churches that will be a glory to the church and such a blessing to the younger folks who are coming up and trying to figure out what this is all about. Why should we make them learn all the hard lessons that we've learned? Let's help them with that. Let's lead them. The Bible is full of instructions that were to do that. The apostle Paul said this about his life, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing of the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So friends, the gospel is what God has given us. It's this commodity that we have. It's the blessing of being a Christian. We have this wonderful thing called the gospel. I can think of no one who sought to fulfill this verse more than Billy Graham. He's still preaching and his iconic voice touches my heart and inspires me to be a better preacher. He held more than 400 crusades in his life in more than 185 countries. His final crusade was in New York City in 2005, and this is what he said. I have one message, that Jesus Christ came, he died on a cross, he rose again, and he asked us to repent of our sins and receive him by faith as Lord and Savior, and if we do, we have forgiveness of all our sin. He said that in the first message that he ever preached, and he said it in the last one that he ever preached. He delivered his final sermon in a television broadcast on his 95th birthday. This is what he said. Our country is in a great need of a spiritual awakening. There have been times that I have wept as I have gone from city to city, and I've seen how far our people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there is only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross, the cross of Christ, he loves you, he's willing to forgive you of all of your sins. What a testimony to somebody who's coming along after, to see a man who started preaching the gospel. He just got stronger and stronger and he preached the gospel no matter what country he was in, no matter what situation he was in, It was always the gospel. God help us to be that kind of a pastor, be that kind of a preacher in our churches. Of course, none of us are Billy Graham, he was unique, but we all have the same gospel. It doesn't belong to Billy Graham. The gospel is God's gift to all of us. It is the good news of Jesus Christ for you as much as it is for anyone in all the world. And it triumphs all the headlines of history. The gospel is the only beam of light shining in this dark world, but its megawatts are unlimited. The gospel can brighten any life, dispel every shadow, We are not beaten down people. We're not on the ropes. We are not an endangered species as Christians. We're not a people worried about where we go from here. We know where we're going because of the gospel. We know him who has prepared the way because of the gospel. We are more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ because of the gospel, the triumph of the gospel. And I hope you've discovered it for yourself. Whatever you're facing, the gospel, because it's Jesus Christ, is your victory. Wherever you're going, he's your guide. However you're feeling, he's your soul and solid hope. Whatever you're worried about by the falling fragments of our collapsing planet, you can look up to heaven and see him who came down to earth for you. He's right now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us and waiting for when we come through the door to say to us, welcome home, good and faithful servant. May that be our hope. Amen. 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 Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about globalism. It always shocks people when I tell them that that Jesus was a nationalist. He was not a globalist. Today, the pressure of uh, globalism is growing. Uh, we're losing our uh, borders, and therefore we're losing the definition of a nation. And uh, what does that mean to us? How do we respond to that from the book of Revelation in the 13th chapter Tomorrow, we will talk about globalism and international prophecy. In the meantime, don't forget to get your copy of the book, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, it is yours for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May. So get your gift in the mail. And when you send your gift, be sure to say, please send me the book, Where Do We Go From Here? And it'll be on its way to you uh, in just a matter of days. Thanks again for listening. Have a
0: great day. See you tomorrow. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is encouraging you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Tawasson, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Where Do We Go From Here? Plus the bonus resource, Warning Signs of the End Times. They're yours for a gift of any amount. You can also view more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's sermons on any screen anytime you like on our Turning Point Plus streaming service for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Where Do We Go From Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
2: In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point,
1: A friend of mine was searching for a used copy of an out-of-print volume on the history of theology. He located a copy online, and when it arrived, he discovered it had been the property of a public library. The old-fashioned checkout card was still affixed to the inside cover, and it showed the book had never been checked out. There was apparently not much interest in the history of theology in the town where that library was located. The famous theologian J.I. Packer has said, disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life as if blindfolded. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the
0: word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.